morning. Okay, we've got two readings. Our first reading is from the Old Testament and it's from Psalm 80 and I'm reading verses 8 to 15. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached out as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty, Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. And our New Testament reading is from John chapter 15 and I'm reading verses 1 to 10. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is the word of the Lord. And the eight o'clockers would say, thanks be to God. But we can too. Brothers and sisters, it's great to be with you. Um, for those in the know, our Jewish friends and neighbours are celebrating Jewish New Year, have done uh, for Rosh Hashanah just this last week. And um, I want us to consider what it means to be beloved, broken, branches as we continue in the third in our series of flourishing as a fig tree family. Now there were three trees nestled on a hilltop and they were discussing their futures. The first one prayed, I wish to be a strong chest holding the finest treasures in all of the world. The next prayed that he would be the grandest galleon carrying the mightiest king across the sea. 
And the final tree, she prayed, I want to be the tallest tree in the world, pointing all people to heaven. Now, I wonder what your prayerful aspiration is as a branch of our fig tree family tree. As we think about what it means to flourish together as his family, as a family of families, because his purpose for us is to do life together and to flourish as his family. Through the finished work of the Lord Jesus, we have been adopted into his family by his grace through faith that we might be called adopted children of our Heavenly Father. And so together we long to grow in maturity and faithfulness. We want to be adventurous in the power of the Spirit and we want to be compassionate to members of our community. And as you know, this series has been based on God's Word in the Bible. But we've also had as our companion a very helpful book. And yet again, I'm sorry to say, although it's kind of sad, glad, the eight o'clockers have completely wiped out our reserves of copies. And so we shall have both lots more of this book next week, and we will have with us the authors, Patricia and Kamal Wirakun, who will be speaking to us next Sunday. But this book, The Gender Revolution, I think has been a very helpful book to remind us that we have both the Bible and biology as the roots for our understanding of how God's word, uh, world works and our place in it. So um, just to think about where we've been thus far, the anatomy of our family tree, it is righteous, realistic roots that we considered in the first week. That is, the soil of God's flourishing family at Fig Tree is both Bible and biology. Then last week we considered what it meant, meant for us to be twisted, um, tempted trunks, that we are both naturally and unnaturally tempted as a family because creation has been twisted by sin. And today, as we consider what it means to be beloved, broken branches, we see how Jesus binds up the brokenhearted and heals brokenness through his love, which has been expressed at the cross and continues to be expressed in the power of his spirit in our family life together. So as we uh, think about flourishing as a fig tree family, which is the big idea for our series, and as we today think about what it means to be beloved broken branches, which is our big idea for today, I'm gonna encourage us to bow our heads and talk to our heavenly father that he might be pleased to teach us. So let's pray together. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, how we thank you and praise you for the blessing of being able to gather together unimpeded. We recognize that we have members of your broader family around the world who do not find it so easy to gather, some of whom it is impossible, and yet we rejoice also to be at your throne of grace, praying with them, for them. Father, we are part of a family that will go on to, into eternity. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you'd please help us to find our place this week as we look to your word. We're going to deal with some hard-hitting stuff in terms of identity and sexuality and gender in the midst of what we consider. So please, Lord, would you be pleased by the power of your spirit to teach us. And may the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's think about branches together. Um, you can have all sorts of branches. You can have branches of trees, but we can also have branches of banks or an office branch. Uh, there's the branch that happens in the road. You take one route or you take another route. And there's also, of course, the branch in family lines. 
And in biblical history, there have been a great many branches in families. And as we think about the branches, um, Jesus himself in that reading from John 15 describes a vine. And whilst it's not that familiar for most of us today, in Jesus' day and age, that would have been a very uh, present, familiar picture to his hearers. And it speaks of abundance. In the land, in the scriptures, God planted his people into a luscious land. But then from Egypt, and with its cultural and material ways that they brought with them, uh, kind of in part because of and in part in spite of, God allowed his people to flourish. But generation to generation, they rebelled. And so in time, God did allow for his people to be uprooted, such that they became broken family branches. And this, as you know, is old news right from the beginning. Adam and Eve rebelled against God first, and then the patriarchs, sometimes faithful, but sometimes doing things in their own ways. Um, as you remember, of course, Abraham was uh, believing in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But then when it came to having the son of promise, you remember how he and Sarah organized for him to be with his maidservant Hagar, and so Ishmael was born, and so there was this tension, this wrestle between Isaac and Ishmael. But Isaac is the child of promise. Um, he had his son Jacob, and you remember how Jacob conspired with his mother Rebekah to uh, enable Jacob to take the blessing from his, his father instead of Esau. And then you think about Jacob's sons and how they lost Joseph to the... Uh, the <laughs> the Egyptian slavery, and even in spite of that, God worked it out for good, we read in Genesis 50, 20. And so we see this cycle again and again, but God is good and faithful to his people, and even in spite of this brokenness, he allows for a remnant stump and new shoots to continue. It is the order of things for God to extend grace and for his people to rebel but there is a little signpost in that first reading we had from Psalm 80, verses 14 to 15, where that cycle is broken for good because God promises to save and care for his people in his own person, in the person of his son, whom we know is Jesus Christ or Yeshua Messiah, that God himself saves. And the Messiah from that remnant is the anointed chosen one of God. There were many anointed kings who went before, of course. Um, they were also anointed to lead God's people, but they all fell short. In fact, we all fall short. Everybody falls short. And um, so it is when we are self-seeking, aspiring people, wanting to do things mostly our own way and not the way that God would have us do things. But God promised through his prophets a faithful remnant would remain and through the family line, we see that all the way from Adam to Abraham to Moses and even David the king, Jesus came. And he's the savior and king for all the broken branches, Jew and Gentile alike. And so that's the foundation that we are given to consider, that we, through the Lord Jesus, are part of the redeemed branch, the family line. But we also see our participation in brokenness. Now, Israel was broken. They were broken by rebellious hearts against their God. And I sometimes wonder whether we always remember that we too are broken branches. Did you know you're a broken branch? That we're all broken? 
that we continue to need to confess our brokenness to God, perhaps in the words consider of King David, Psalm 51, speaking in confession of the ways in which we dishonor God. We are broken. And we need to continue to confess our sins as God's people because Jesus says he will always forgive our sins. Because Jesus is the one who binds up the broken. Jesus binds, binds the broken. Our wounds need binding. You know, some years ago, we had a neighbor who had a dog who got run over. It was run over by our neighbor. It wasn't on purpose, it was an accident. And uh, this little dog had legs that no longer worked. And so those legs needed to be bound up. And, um, and what they did was put the legs on a little trolley and the dog was still able to run around and have a pretty happy life. But both his legs were broken. And broken bones and branches need gentle, careful binding so that they heal. And sometimes they don't heal in the way in which we'd like them to heal. But Jesus promises he will bind up those who are broken. In fact, um, Jesus, when he comes into the synagogue and reads words from Isaiah 61, which speak of those who would be bound up and healed and given freedom. Jesus reads these words of Isaiah. In Luke chapter 4, we read how he came in and he says, um, not only that the promise of God in the Old Testament is to come and save and heal, but then he says, I, in reading this, fulfill these words. Jesus, in accordance with the promise of God, is the one who would come and heal his people, physically, relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. And brothers and sisters, we can ask the Lord Jesus to bring healing to ourselves and to our loved ones and to our friends and neighbors. We can pray for physical healing now. And sometimes we get it, but sometimes we don't. And we can pray for relational healing now. And sometimes we get it, and sometimes we don't. And we can pray for emotional healing now. And sometimes we get it, and sometimes we don't. But what do, do we get for sure? We have spiritual healing. The Lord Jesus, in laying down his life for our sins and reconciling us to God, gives us absolute assurance on the cross that our sins are forgiven. And, and he also gives absolute assurance that one day, all those other areas, our physical, our relational, our emotional, the whole nature of ourselves will be thoroughly bound up and healed at the resurrection. Jesus returns and makes all things new. There is a resurrection hope that informs the brokenness that we continue to experience in this world. Isn't that true? Isn't that great to know? Because that's what our friends and neighbors need to know, that there is a hope that will endure for all eternity. And we live in a season in which I think there is an unprecedented level of brokenness in our world. There is an unprecedented level of confusion because whilst you and I may be, for the most part, settled in our bodies and we recognize that the healing and binding of Jesus can sometimes take a very long time, we saw in the last week and the week before that there are in this world uh, ways in which God has designed us for a way that is best. He has given us bodies and he's given us bodies for good purpose. And it, regarding our sex, he has made us male and female. And he has designed us to be either 
people who will come together in marriage for a season or, or, or to be single. But we also discovered that there are both natural and unnatural attitudes and affections and, and actions that proceed from that. But he does say that the bodies that he's given us are really precious. That the bodies that God has given us for followers of the Lord Jesus have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in your body and mine. We read this for sure in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That in our bodies we are given to glorify the Lord. And so how difficult it is then for those who sometimes feel that they are in the wrong body what you may have come across as described as dysphoria, a dissonance between what is going on in my mind and my identity and my body and the God-given body. Now, in our current culture, there's a lot of talk about dysphoria. It goes rather like this as an example. I have a male body, but I feel like a female. And so there is a dissonance between how I feel and how I am. This dissonance is something that, in fact, many people feel at some point in life. Many youngsters go through the process of who am I and, and, and whom do I have affection for? Uh, sometimes young men can feel affection for other young men and there's a sort of sexualized component and the same for women and sometimes there's a sense of uh, am I quite in the right space. But for the most part, through puberty and beyond, that all settles down. But for some, it does not. And there's an element of ongoing dysphoria. Now, God made us, as I've said before, with biology consistent with the Bible, as male and as female. One or two people do fall through the, the cracks. But there are some who simply feel unhappy in their body, some who feel like a female in a male body and, and, and some who feel like a male in a female body. And I have to say, brothers and sisters, I feel wrong in my body because I remember I used to have a slimmer body. I used to have a fitter body. There were muscles that used to show clearly and it's still in here somewhere. It's just covered with all the food that I've eaten. Now, for me, it could be reasonably easy if I put my mind to it. Eat less food. Do more exercise. Uh, adjust my metabolism. But for somebody who's feeling that they're in the wrong body in terms of their sexual gender identity, well, that's a different matter, isn't it? It's a very hard feeling to have. Now, the Bible and biology tell us that medication and surgical changes will fail us because there is a God-given biological sex that comes from the roots and proceeds through the trunk, and there's a disjuncture between the gender identity experience and what God has designed for us. Um, my little tree here, uh, which I've chosen on recommendation from one of our church members to call Teresa Green. So this tree now has an identity. 
Do you see what they did there? Teresa Green, I, I had imagined coming over and, and, and breaking the trunk dramatically or, or pulling the plant up from its roots, but I just didn't have the heart to do that because Dave's going to go and plant it in our backyard here and I've rather, I've rather fallen for it. But for the person who feels unhappy and wrong in their body, what they need is to be heard. What they need is to be helped. What they need is to be healed. Not to make changes in their bodies, though some have and some will, but rather to trust God in the bodies he gave us and his purposes for us in them, to ask Jesus to heal them. Now, I wanted to share some stories. You may have seen that there was an uh, episode of Spotlight a couple of Sundays ago on Channel 9 that interviewed a number of men and women who had transitioned, but now they wanted to detransition, and they felt very sad about the changes that they had made. I have walked with one of our brothers who had gone through the process of transitioning and almost got to that point of surgery and then by God's grace met the Lord Jesus and from his word and from the support of brothers and sisters in Christ reconnected with the God-given identity that he had as a man and came back on that journey praise God and he learned that Jesus loved him just how God had made him and he is saved Jesus is for everyone boy girl male female confused and Jesus speaks, doesn't he, in Matthew 19 of, of the issues of marriage and the issues of singleness. He describes eunuchs, those who will not have sexual intimacy, some born, some made by others, and some chosen. But the posture of Jesus for everyone is one of compassion because he made us all and he loves us all. And as his people in the world, I wonder what we can offer to those around us in a season of increased brokenness. And so I share just a few ideas, but together we will have many more, no doubt. And I encourage us to maybe pick this up as a conversation over the morning tea, because it's so important. What can we offer? Well, I think first things first, being available to our beloved relatives and friends and neighbors in love. Because we're four people, as Jesus is four people. We can share God's wisdom in the confusion. And people struggling with gender identity, I believe, are not helped by the transgender lobby. Last week we looked at LGB, lesbian, gay, and bisexual. But in that acronym you will know that there's a T, the transgender posture, position, and ideology, which is very strong amongst some and at the moment the transgender ideology has a very present voice in the lives that we share and our children and our children's children share there is even quite a strong movement within the medical fraternity in favor of transitioning and i have to say that in my experience of reading through this book and some of the articles cited here and talking to medical professionals, my take is that most people who do or have transitioned have mental health issues as well. 
I know it's not universally so, and you might share with me morning tea of examples where that's not been the case, but it seems to me that for the most part, they are connected. And so we must show compassion and care to those struggling with gender identity. And you will know, as I do, that we have members of our fig tree family who have precious family members who are transgender, who are exploring, transitioning. In fact, we have members of our fig tree family who have already transitioned. The Lord loves them. He loves all of us. And I pray that we will be at Fig Tree, a family for precious loved ones who often feel judged and left out, even though they have, have made a firm decision, can still feel out of sorts for a long time post-transition treatment, may eventually regret their trans transition and want to come back, and if so, will get dropped like a hot potato by the transgender community for detransitioning. And brothers and sisters, I really hope that we will be there, remembering the compassion of Jesus, willing to heal those who asked him. And as his people in this world, it is up to us to build his loving presence, remembering our own fallenness and remembering how gently and kindly Jesus lifted us up because from here, fallen and raised up, we can join with others in coming to the foot of the cross in repentance and faith where the love of the Lord Jesus is found. And brothers and sisters, we can offer a very powerful contribution and that is prayer. We can pray for and with. And I want to encourage us to speak up against an unhelpful government policy. In our weekly update, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've noted that Alex Greenwich, an independent MP, has introduced his conversion therapy bill. The New South Wales government has released a discussion paper for that legislation. Let me say that that's based on the Victorian legislation, which has already been passed. So this legislation really restricts religious freedoms to teach and pray and counsel on sexuality. So I want to encourage us to contact our local MP, that's not the same person for all of us because we come from different areas, and to raise our concerns because we offer prayer and we offer counsel. And today we have Anglicare counsellors who will be down the back for those who want to spend time talking and perhaps praying with them, your ministry team. We are available for you if this is an area that we can pray with you and think through with you. If you're concerned for yourself or your loved ones, please do come and speak to us afterwards because we will walk with you and we will love you. And I tell you who stick with you through thick and thin, it's the Lord Jesus Christ because he says he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you because we are his beloved ones. Jesus calls us beloved because he never leaves us. And he says, remain in me and you will flourish. And in the midst of cultural confusion, when God has spoken so clearly through biology and so clearly through the Bible, he wants us as a fig tree family to worship him through our created bodies. But you know, he will prune us so that we will fruit and bear fruit for him as we remain in him and flourish. And so the Lord Jesus says, remain in me as an active participation, knowing that he is the one who will give growth through us. And the fruit we bear together, we do as a consequence of the growth that he gives. 
So we both remain actively and we trust him to hold us fast. But we can expect to be pruned because every one of us has dead twigs on our branch that need to be removed so that we might blossom and bloom for his glory. Bruning enables a branch to be fruitful and to be faithful. But I can't avoid the fact that verses 5 to 6 in our reading from today do talk about some branches that will be cut off and burned. And I think the challenge I want to raise for us today is that we remain faithful to a faith that was once for all delivered to the saints by God, Jude verse 3. All spoken by Jesus in the flesh and through his prophets and through the apostles, he has made these matters perfectly clear. And it really concerns me that a number of teachers and pastors are rejecting God's clear teaching on male and female, such that we have had to foster this movement over the last 20 years and continue to do so, the GAFCON movement within the Anglican Church, to ensure that we remain faithful to that faith and do not embrace unorthodox, errant teaching. So please continue to pray. It's not ours to judge God's teachers and pastors who've gone astray and what the consequences are for them. But it is important for us to be clear on the doctrine that we have and God has revealed and that they clearly are not in step with him. So we've been for 20 years asking the Lord and calling them to repentance. And now, of course, as I've said to you in recent months, we have gone our own way. We have remained true to the faith and those who are errant are now heading off in a very different direction. Jesus says, remain in me, faith and obedience. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Our role, brothers and sisters, as God's people is to speak the truth in love, showing compassion. So for me, just as an outworking with people who I know who have uh, transitioned, I will use a person's chosen name. I don't want to dead name somebody, as it's called, to use their former name. But what I will not do, for me, is use a pronoun chosen by a man who feels or looks like a woman. Under God, the most important thing I see is a person who needs to know the fullness of the love of the Lord Jesus. Somebody who, like me, once was cut off from God and then Jesus reconciled us. And our lives are still messy, aren't they? Like sometimes we, we like to think that we're the pretty tapestry outside, but actually we're still all the messy bits behind or the bark on a tree before the tapestry is fully revealed you and i are still gnarly branches but jesus plans to bring out the beauty in us god transforming us to be more like jesus and it's his work in us for his purpose let me finish off that story about the trees you see in time woodcutters found the three trees who were nestled on the hilltop and the axes fell and all three trees were felled and the trees began to wonder. The first tree smiled as it was taken into a carpenter's cottage with tools, and its hopes were lifted as it was worked on and honed into the shape of a box. And then its hopes were dashed as it was handed over to be an animal's feeding trough. The next 
tree smiled as it was taken off to the stevedore shipyard. Its hopes were lifted as it was crafted into a ship-shaped sailing vessel, and then its hopes were dashed as it was finished off as a small fishing boat to live on a little lake. The third tree was crestfallen, having been uprooted from the hillside. Its hopes were lifted as it was splintered into beams for something useful, and then its hopes were dashed as the beams were thrown onto a discarded pile of wood, and then a long time passed, and they had all but forgotten their dreams. But then the first tree heard the rustle of cloths as the straw in it was ruffled up, and Mary and Joseph placed their newborn child in the manger as a bassinet. And then the tree knew that it was carrying the greatest treasure in history, God's own son. And then the second tree felt the feet of 12 disciples and their teacher arrive. And in the midst of the storm, the teacher stood and calmed the lake with the word. And then the tree knew it carried the greatest king of kings, God with us. And then the third tree was pulled from a pile of beams, wincing as it was carried. It bore the body of the crucified Messiah as he gave his life for our sins. The tree knew its service in pointing mankind to the only way to heaven. God fulfilled the first tree's prayer in ushering his arrival into the world. God fulfilled the second tree's prayer in showcasing his authority in life. And God fulfilled the third tree's prayer in carrying his sacrifice for our sins. And I want to ask us now, beloved broken branches, like trees, we've often had our own dreams, have we not? How gracious is God to answer our prayers so frequently in ways that we've never imagined? We too hold the precious spirit of the Lord Jesus in these holy bodies. And so I ask us to, again to imagine our, our prayerful aspiration. Who would you be as a branch in the fig tree family tree, flourishing his way? And so often not in our own way as we had imagined, but in a way that is for his glory. Flourishing is love, love of self, love of one another, and love of neighbor. And this is God's purpose for us together as we do life together, that we might flourish as his family. God bless you folks. Thank you for listening.